0: They burned it down. If you rebuild, they build it, they will come. You didn't hear?
1: Beg your pardon. My voice? Thief? If you rebuild, they it, it, they will come. They blew it up. If you rebuild, they it, it, they will come. They demolished it. If you rebuild, they built it, they will come. But horror has a permanent address. to my hope? The house of Frankenstein lives! We began a project a few years ago, but unfortunately it was, it was interrupted, and we're most anxious to take it up again. In September and October, the Fire and Water Podcast Network presents a Supermates tradition, covering four classic horror films and four related comic book adventures.
0: I must find more victims before my work is done. You need look no further, vampirus. We'll take the bat jet to the Hall of Justice. And transform the other super friends.
1: <laughs> Featuring an all-star cast. James Spader. Are you crazy? Jack Nicholson. Oh, just marking my territory. Anthony Hopkins.
0: She lives beyond the grace of God, a wanderer in the outer darkness.
1: Lon Chaney Jr. One becomes accustomed to the darkness here. Michelle Pfeiffer. You're afraid that when it gets dark, he will attack me. Vincent Price. Let's... Uh... See what the rest of this mausoleum looks like. Gary Oldman. It's really of your own will and leave some of the happiness you bring. Winona Ryder. I almost feel pity for anything so hunted as count. Peter Cushing. I am a doctor of medicine, law, and physics. To the best of my knowledge, doctorates are not awarded for witchcraft. But if ever they are, no doubt I shall qualify for one. And Keanu Reeves. Doctor! This Halloween, visit our field of screams at the scenic house of Frankenstein where terror is only
0: a listen away. Welcome to Goth Girl Horror, part of the Radio Horror Network. This is the podcast dedicated to the comic books created by Tim Seeley, Hack Slash. And joining me once again for these two issues is...
1: Jennifer, and I go by two things. You can either find me at Jenin Comics or Comics Will Break Your Heart.
0: And Jen was on with us for the last episode, she's joining us for this episode, uh, which is a two-parter picking up on the events from the previous issue and bringing back an old enemy of Cassie and Vlad's. This is called, uh, the two-parter is called Mindkiller, and we have the plot synopsis for us right now. Uh, issue 21 begins with a flashback of Ashley Gerthy's final moments from Slice Hard with him dying in the fire set by Emily Christie. He ends up in a black boy crying when he comes across the voice of another man surprised to see a kid in here. In Eminence, Chris is putting together a database for Hackslash with all of the different people they have encountered. He is aware that given Cassie was arrested last uh, in the last arc, they need to find get information out in case things go bad again, uh, and they need to compile uh, any information for if one of them dies. Elsewhere, the odd-looking pumpkin-mask killer known as Sam Payne appears to have left Cassie at a payphone with some change to call her friends. Cassie awakens in the van, accompanied by Vlad and Margaret. Margaret? That was Georgia.
1: Georgia Peaches or or Margaret. Or, oh, or right, Margaret.
0: right, right, right. Okay. Georgia begins to make out with Cassie, much to Vlad's dismay. When they run across, yeah, Gertr- As the three of them continue to argue, Vlad throws them all into what looks like a snowbank and asks them all to stop arguing as the cops show up and arrest arrest Cassie for the crime she has committed, as well as Georgia Peaches and Vlad. As they are in prison, Mr. Jawowski at gunpoint gets the guitar Cassie, who has been about to be sent to a maximum security cell, notes what is going on, knowing the gist of what is going to happen, including Ashley playing the guitar in such a way that it sets Six free from his hellish dimension. As the police face off against the combined forces of a still gun-wielding Ashley and the newly armed Six, hitting the guitar in the process of possibly damaging it somewhat, Cassie notes between taunts that the later brought something back with him, something bizarre alien hissing eyes that possesses many of the cops, in the station unlike ashley's whose possession of muffy is psychic this possession appears more akin to using humans as meat puppets and resting inside them continuing it right into issue 22 cassie's eyes open up with her in a kind of a void very similar to the movie the void surrounded by teenagers including georgia they prey on her insecurities with georgia appearing far more hostile than ever and usually openly calling her a slut as cassie kills her and then screams out in a bloody rage of horror In the reality of the holding cells at the county police station in Laurel, Montana, the creatures that came in the last issue have every named character tied to chairs along with the cops they were in the room at the time and have extended themselves outside the eye sockets of their meat puppets, touching the eyes of the others and seemingly feeding on their fear. The creatures appear to be black skeletal snakes as identified within the story as dread drinkers, very similar to dream demons from the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Consequently, the dimension which six has been banished to, shout at the demon, appears to be very clearly uh, the dream world of this franchise. The demons want to use the fear of the group to help themselves and reproduce and turn the earth into a kind of a farm for themselves to feed on people's fears. Again, very similar to that film. Six, who is essentially the primary character of this issue, is the first to awaken, having developed a bit of an immunity. He escapes and uses a guitar to go back to the Neff, but Neff creatures chase him. Upon returning to Neff, the Neflords berate him and uh, berate him, but also accidentally remove the dread drinker from his head. This is uh he convinces them to make him an avatar again and re empower him, promising to bring both Ashley and Cassie, the former of the possible host, the later as punishment for defeating them before. With the cap is awake once more, he knocks Ashley unconscious and takes him with him, but Cassie go and seemingly decides not to go after her anymore having known her pain due to the attack from earlier instead he goes back to the Neff for his punishment sometimes later frank jawowski has allowed gertrude uh, georgia cassie and vlad to stay the night at his place while he prepares for muffy's funeral arrangements she is very understandably feeling very guilty about all the death her keeping the guitar has caused and the police are allowed cassie to have a blank slate as far as the law is concerned due to the knowledge she has been framed for at least some of the uh, what she allegedly did Later that night, Cassie is getting out of the shower and walks over to the room only to see a naked Georgia who offers to have sex now that she is allegedly out of the business following the latest attack. Fortunately, Cassie's insecurities lead to her to reject her friend, and she doesn't think she is into girls along with that. She thinks their relationship was a mistake. Instead, she says she will be sleeping downstairs on the couch. Months later, in North Carolina, a singer in the stage uh, 6, keeping his true name as Jeffrey Brev, elects to be uh, an agent for a young girl on stage. Wearing an eye patch and calling himself the king, the issue ends on a thank you note for Emily Stone as she has left Hackslash for other pursuits, and this was her final issue. There's also a love bunny part in this, but we don't really need to cover it. Let's see issue 21. The cover. What are you What are you doing this from again? Are you doing this from the trade paperback? Are you doing this from the digital copy?
1: I'm doing it from the digital copy and I can go ahead and pull that up right here.
0: The Mind Killer part one and part two was written and drawn by Tim Seeley and Emily Stone respectively, colors by Mark Engelhart, letters by Crank, production by Sam Wells, edits by Mike Sullivan. Cover A is by for issue twenty one, excuse me. Cover A is by Greg Titus and Carrion Oates and cover B is by Joel Herberto Herrera. On uh, issue 22, cover A is by Tim Seeley and Wes DeZoba, and cover B is by Martin Abel. I seem to have issue 21, cover A, and issue 22, cover A as well. Looks yeah, nice. I
1: see. I have 22A and I believe 23A.
0: If you have the trade paperback, you have every single cover.
1: Oh, yeah, I just have the, the, um, the digital omnibus.
0: Then okay, you have every single cover.
1: Oh, got it.
0: Every cover is published in the trade paper X. They're usually in the back. You get like if there's a multiple multiple uh part story arc, the digital or omnibus will give you one cover and then they'll put the rest of the covers in the back with a little tiny footnote on the very bottom of the page that tells you
1: what cover it's for. Yeah, I just see the um like the one right here, uh, that's with the issue. So let me go ahead and sit all the way to the back.
0: Issue 21 has um, Ashley in a Mr. Fantastic-style pose, wrapping herself around Cassie. Uh, They're both drawn with very twisty, weird features. Um, She looks like what she is holding is a croquet mallet, which is very weird. But we're also picking up from the uh, end of the Hackslash Volume 2, Death by Sequel, with the killer teddy bear being stabbed through the head. Uh, There's an explosion, and then everything goes black to white. And then we have Chris eating... uh, What type of ice cream cone is that?
1: Um, you know, I'm not sure exactly what it's called. Um, uh, man, and then like Pooch is just like sucking on the bottom of it.
0: He says it's a like drumstick.
1: A, is it called the drumstick?
0: Uh, yeah, I think it is. He says it's sucking milk from a cold, crunchy teat. Ew.
1: <laughs> Which I guess maybe that's Pooch's thing. Like, don't don't kink shame Pooch. Uh,
0: yeah, but still, I don't want to be sucking on no cold, <laughs> crusted nipples. Chris is wearing a Masters of the Universe He-Man T-shirt. He's got file cards uh, up for the primary characters for Hacks Flash, Inc. Do you know what the file cards are representations of?
1: No, I mean, it just looks like file cards to me. Uh,
0: They're supposed to be like G.I. Joe file cards from the old G.I. Joe toys. On the back of every G.I. Joe toy, you would have the, uh, the real name of the character, their rank, serial number, what branch of the service they work for and uh their their uh their hometown and where their what their you know what their what their stuff is what their what makes them a joe
1: i never got into gi joe so i never never really saw that but i it almost reminds me like i was thinking of like a cerebro file
0: uh yeah that could be too um the thing is, the the, uh, the the nice thing about GI Joe is that every character of GI Joe, unless they were a civilian character, um, they all were in the branches of the military. They were, you know, the special, special ops, and every character was given a rank in the military too. A lot of privates, corporals, lieutenants, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Because then you got into like the hierarchy of GI Joe, which was, uh, you know, just a few characters. Uh, but GI Joe was being published by Devil's New Press at the time as well. Oh, okay. So the pumpkin head man, who's Hain, who is Sam Hain, who uh, is, so Cassie and, and uh, Georgia don't sleep together. I'm trying to remember, like, when do they sleep together? Because they, they haven't yet. And does Cassie that mean Sam Hain Margaret, is what?
1: Cassie and Margaret. Yeah, they, they didn't, like, explicitly sleep together. They, they kind of had, like, a makeout session in the last. I don't think that Cassie and Margaret or Georgia Peaches ever really slept together in the last issue. They did have a pretty good make-out session and talked about their love, but I don't think that they ever explicitly made love or had sex.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think they will eventually, but I'm trying to remember. Is Georgia Cassie's first actual sexual relationship, or is it uh, Sam Hain? Because she does sleep mm. with Sam Hain.
1: That I'm not sure of.
0: And the only she's, uh, Sam Hayden is only one of two men that Cassie sleeps with. Um, mm-hmm. The other being uh, Ashley Williams from The Evil Dead. Because, you know, it's Bruce Campbell.
1: Yeah. Why not? <laughs> I mean, that chin. Like, who wouldn't want to sit on that face? <laughs>
0: oh, my God.
1: <laughs> so he gives
0: Cassie change to call home, which is like, okay, that's sweet. Dumps her and then, like, here, make a phone call. <laughs> yeah, I'm make like, a okay, phone he's call, a hero, you know, I guess.
1: <laughs> I'm surprised that... Um, you know, because we see her and she is kind of zonked out, she's not really in a, um, like, awakened state, she's passed out. I'm really surprised that she had the, the brain power, the constitution to even dial a phone number on a pay, on a pay phone.
0: Considering what she's been to been through over the last six issues, yeah, I mean she watched her mother and father get killed after her fa- her mother was resurrected by her father, having to deal with the reanimator, and then all the events that happened in the last three issues with the cult. So yeah, it's it's been a little nuts for her. What's funny is that she's wearing an outfit with the ripped um, uh, gray tank top and green shorts uh, that actually appears on the cover of the third the final issue of of class Resurrection.
1: Uh, mm-hmm. But she doesn't
0: wear that outfit in that issue, but that just came to mind. Um, it's, so,
1: fu- it's funny because I feel like this, out of all the outfits that we see her in, this is almost the most normal or the most preppy.
0: Um. So after Vlad and uh, Georgia pick up Cassie and we do the little file, they don't really have file cards, but they give their own little stats that I'm assuming is being written down by Chris. Uh, that's when they come across uh, Vlad's one true love, uh, the groupie, from uh, the original uh, story arc of this series. and Yeah, uh, they're literally
1: bl- just driving along, and Vlad's, like, daydreaming about getting laid, and he's like, oh, funny thing. Coincidence.
0: That's going all the way back to issues 2, 3, and 4 of this ongoing, the first volume of Hacksplash, which I think is in Omnibus Volume 2. Then we switch over to the psychic, who's been feeding the police all this crappy information about Cassie, because why it's all a setup for revenge
1: muffy jo muffy jorowski
0: <laughs> and it's all because uh this character is uh talking to six who is the band leader who was going to sacrifice the virgins like Cassie and Georgia uh back in those original 3 issues to the Neflords. lords then gertrude has her own kind of weird um, dream sequence with the gods of metal. Um, So we we, have
1: Ozzy and who else is there?
0: It's really hard to say. I mean, Ozzy, I don't even recognize who Ozzy would be, except for I guess he's the guy in the middle, but it barely looks like Ozzy.
1: Yeah, this is Ozzy from like 40 40 years ago, easy.
0: Oh, okay. I love what Cassie calls Gertrude after she punches Cassie in the face, you big-haired dumpster slut.
1: Yeah. <laughs> kind of vicious. Very savage.
0: Right, right. Also, she says she's 38 years old. I mean, in some drawings, she looks older, and then other drawings on the same page, the art makes her look uh, slightly younger. Like, after she punches out Kathy, she, she touches her face, like, with an oh-shit moment. And then yeah. she looks very young. But, the, again, I remember in the original storyline – she did not look – I mean, I guess she's supposed to be, like, you know, worn out kind of 38 years old, like, drinking a lot and smoking, yeah, smoking. which are things that ate you a lot.
1: She probably looks like one of those people where you look at them and they're, you're like, are they younger or are they older? I can't tell. Like, are you are you fat skinny or skinny fat?
0: <laughs> right. And that's not to shame anybody, but no. vices in life will do that to you, so – you're all, you're on your own on how well you keep, you know you take care of yourself. Yeah. Um, fatty junk foods, drinking, and smoking. Guess what that's gonna do to you when you're 38 years old? Like I met a woman at a convention, at Rhode Island Comic Con, and she was dressed as Cassie, and she told me she was 45 years old. I swear to God, I thought she was 20.
1: Wow, I'm 31, and I don't think that I could pull off a Cassie Hack outfit. So you know, hashtag cosplay goals.
0: She is on my um, she's on my Instagram page. I'll try and see if I get a pic, uh, if I have the picture, uh, and I'll send you uh, what she looks like. But she looks amazing as Cassie. But I could not believe how old she told me she was. And then I met another cosplayer who dresses as like Wonder Woman and Black Widow, and she told me she was like in her fifties, and I was like, no way. You look amazing. Awesome. She's just like a lot of aerobics every day, and and just you know I don't you know I I I drink very little alcohol and I've never smoked. So and again she looks amazing. I mean you can tell she's definitely older. She's not in her twenties or thirties. I'm not going to insult somebody if they mm-hmm. actually look their you know like the the age you know but they uh, yeah this woman blew me away when she told me she was like fifty something years old because she did not look like it dressed as a black widow. Yeah. So Cassie gets arrested. It's funny uh, in my description. They talk about how they like do away with all the charges against everybody. Muffy gets the satanic guitar. Of course, as she puts it, the old woman fingers don't quite drum the uh, the tunes it needs to be. Have you ever seen an old black? Um, sorry, an old horror rock movie called Black Rose.
1: No, I haven't.
0: I highly recommend looking it up. Have you ever seen uh, Todd in the Book of Pure Evil?
1: Mm-mm. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I have seen that one. Okay.
0: That's also highly recommended. Death, uh, Death, Deathocalypse or something like that. It's Death, uh, Deathgasm. It's on Shudder right now. Uh, also a metal rock, um, you know, fighting demons kind of movie. A lot of these stories that are involving Six uh, definitely remind me of those. I don't have the best description off the top of my head about what Black Roses is. But the Black Rose, uh, if you look up the Black Rose Uh, movie poster it's very badass it has a guitar with like black rose thorn roses wrapped around where you wrapped around the strings and then uh black roses on the outside of the poster and then these like demonic eyes staring directly out at you it's from 1988 it's a b-grade horror movie it's about a small town teacher saves the teenage souls from a heavy metal rocker and his band from hell Mm. I'm is. gonna
1: have to check that out, and that's on Shutter, you said?
0: Uh, no, no, uh, uh, Death Deathgasm. Is, is. Deathgasm Got is on Shutter. That's another great rock uh, and metal horror movie. There's also supposed to have been a documentary. I don't know what the hell happened to it about the uh, the history of rock and uh, metal and horror. Mm. And it, I I don't know. I interviewed the guy about it like four years ago, and it's it's like I don't I don't know what happened.
1: I've seen a couple on Amazon, but then some of them are a little bit more obscure. Some of them are a little bit more, like, very low budget. Um, But I've seen a couple on Amazon.
0: Six's tongue reminds me of Gene Simmons, and then Cassie calls his penis a Cheeto. An
1: orange Cheeto. When I saw his tongue, I actually got a little bit of a uh, Freddy Krueger vibe.
0: A little bit. The eyeballs of all of the people at the police station at the very end look like um, crab, you know, faces or something, you know, or like Mm -hmm. a bird beak coming out of their eyes. Very, very fucking creepy if I saw someone with eyeballs like that. Very. Yeah. Um, Switching over to issue 22, which is part two of Killer Mind uh, Mind Killer, uh, we have Kathy waking up in probably her worst nightmare as she can't take the pain of everyone taunting her. And she kills Georgia and then realizes what she did and starts clawing her own eyeballs out.
1: And you can definitely see she she feels a little bit tortured, not just by that, but by a lot of the insults that are coming her way and dealing a little bit with the, um, I would say, you know, she just lost her family. And the the kind of found family that she's had, like she's being insulted by them. Um, So you can definitely tell this is traumatic for her. Have you seen the movie The Void? No.
0: It's about a uh, group of people trapped inside a hospital one night when uh, mysterious uh, cultists uh, in like cloaked, figured robes um, start appearing throughout the uh, outside of the hospital. And they're like they're white robes from head to toe, and all the only feature on the robe is this like tr- black triangle where they could probably see out of.
1: Mm, when did that come out?
0: Uh, uh, Twenty sixteen. Very good okay. HP Lovecraft style movie. Um, the the absolute body horror in the movie is unfreaking believable, and the ending is just just a down note.
1: <laughs> Man, with with this uh, this issue, this um, second issue, um, there definitely was a lot of Lovecraft vibes with the way that this this monster like interacts, um, like kind of going out of the eyes, um, kind of like swarming into people and that body horror, it reminded me of a blend of uh, not just like H.P. Lovecraft and those those type of cosmic monsters, but of some of the uh, Junji Ito artwork, if you're familiar with uh, that horror manga.
0: Uh, I'm not. What's it about?
1: So Junji Ito is a uh, Japanese artist, and he's done um, a couple, like Tomi... And there, it's a lot of like that body horror. Like Tommy deals with uh, body dysmorphia. Um, he also, I recently Stop read. Boy. So um, Tommy goes through, or Tommy goes through this uh, like body dysmorphia, um, dealing with your body image and how it kind of haunts you. Um, but I recently read Junji Ito's Shiver, which is a collection of short stories. Some of them deal with a family that lives above a restaurant and they all get really greasy. Um, So you can like feel that greasiness. And then there's a couple of other stories that deal with um, that, that, that horror that just makes you crawl in your skin. Um, So if, if, if you're into that, like body horror, I highly recommend Junji Ito's work. He's done a lot of different things.
0: This entire scene and the entire sequence obviously completely and 100% reminds me of, I'm trying to bring up...
1: Which scene is this? The one where he's in the, is it the Neff world that he's in?
0: Uh, I would say just about anything in this issue reminds me, and, uh, I th- I think, I, I...
1: Was it, like, any Lovecraftian-type vibes, or...?
0: No, it was straight-up hentai.
1: Oh, okay. Um... The tentacles hmm.
0: going into places. Yeah. Um... This was pretty much straight up like hentai. This, I mean, yeah. you have the tentacles coming out of the mouths and into the eyes and attacking things, and it's just unbelievably graphic. Um, I in the original, that's what it was. Okay, so my memory was fleeting. It's the original story involving uh, six, in which the uh, the the nest lords Cassie Georgia and the other virgins are basically being strung up by tentacle creatures and Cassie even makes the joke oh I've seen this anime I know what happens yeah. next as the tentacles start slowly slitting their way around her legs and stuff like that because in hentai then well you know what happens you next. You know where it goes next. Yeah, yeah you know where this is going. <laughs> I, I, I only watched it strictly for the education of this podcast.
1: Only for educational purposes. Only
0: for educational purposes. I had no other interests. The, the, with the tentacles coming out of the cop's eyes and then he like shoots them over at six and the little, like, claw mouse on them, it's just so gross. I can't tell if he is sweating or if that's, like, tentacle juice, like, all over him.
1: Oh, if it's um, ectoplasm or something like that?
0: Yeah, and then as soon as attack attacks six, he starts having all of the memories of uh, hell and sees, of course, Cassie's mom as well.
1: And at this point, I think that he really taps into the emotional trauma that Cassie has gone through and what she's been having to deal with over the, the last arc or two.
0: Right. And the Neth Lords themselves are, like you said, they're like these tentacle – the Neth themselves are very indicative of, you know, tentacle creatures, H.P. Lovecraft, the Void, you know, things like that, or, you know, any kind of, like, anime creature that you see attacking, um, you know, heroes in anime. Which, by the way, I cannot think – and I would love to know if there's one out there – I can't think of like one anime out there that has like a tentacle creature attacking somebody and it's not hentai. Hmm.
1: My my anime knowledge is, is limited to a lot more mainstream stuff and I can't there's one that I know that there's a guy that has like the eyes in his hand. I can't recall what that one that one is called. Vampire but I can't Hunter think of D? any that deal with uh um like tentacle monsters.
0: Vampire Hunter D?
1: No, this is a different one. Uh, yeah, but I, I I, just, I
0: can't, I, I, I wonder if like all of the anime companies, and there's so much anime produced, and there's so much manga produced, that I wonder if they just don't put tentacles in anything, even like mature audience content that's not necessarily hentai, but that's like, you know, horror anime, or something like um, Death Note, you know, things like that that yeah. they, they feel as though if there's any reference to a tentacle monster, people are immediately going to expect it to, you know, like rape the female character that's on screen.
1: They're probably just like, go big or go home. Like if you're going to have tentacle monsters in it, we're probably going to side on the a lot more explicitly sexual rather than just the, um like, fan service.
0: There is a... Um... There is a movie that my co-host on Supernatural Creatures and Lore and I uh, did a commentary for called uh, Wicked City. And it's about a cop that teams up with a female cop from the Dark Dimension. And they have to go investigate a, a, uh, a murder. And the beginning of the movie, he picks up some girl at the bar and brings, him, brings her home. And she starts turning into this, like, spider-like creature and tries to kill him. And cool. she's got, like, you know, vagina dentata. And then later on in the movie, his female cop gets kidnapped, and tentacles start doing things to her, but it's not hentai, because they apparently don't show uh, penetration like the way you think they do, But but the female cop gets, like, you know, captured by the tentacle creatures, and then when she gets free, she's just like, it's okay, it's just another day at the office, but again, she's like a demon from the dark dimension, so this is
1: normal for her? That's just in the job description.
0: That's what my co-host said. I was just like, now is this considered to be bad? Is this like uh, a non-consensual? And she's like, no, she is totally into this. And don't forget, she's a demon from a bad dimension. This is, you know, different strokes for different folks. What we think about in the animal kingdom is rape is just, you know, that's just the way it is. Yeah. (laughs) So the, so six comes back from the, uh, the dark dimension and, uh, the most horrifying thing that happens is the cop has the technical creatures coming out of his eyes and he plucks the eyeball out of Six's head and it and he yells out, You can drink my cock
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I think Tim had too much fun writing this issue with some of the dialogue in this and some of the just absolute uh explicit innuendo that happens.
1: Oh, for sure. And there, there's even a moment, um, and maybe it's uh, I'm a little bit tuned in into it. I just recently watched this documentary on Shutter about Friday the Thirteenth. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Nightmare on Elm Street too.
0: Nightmare on Elm Street, the entire the, the Never Sleeps Again documentary. The Never Sleeps. I didn't Again.
1: watch the Never Sleeps Again documentary. I actually watched Scream Queen, which oh. talks a little bit more um, about the queer subtext and how it impacted Mark Patton's life as uh, a queer man living with HIV AIDS. Um, so that was a little bit more insightful. Yeah, um, but um, yes. Mm-hmm. He, I did not he does. know he, that. He, he, um, he's currently an AIDS activist, and it's really interesting to see how Nightmare on Elm Street 2 was very was ridiculed for being one of the you know I'm using air quotes here like one of the gayest horror movies and he talks about reclaiming it and as a young queer person you know you end up getting any any you become a scavenger finding anything that you can find that has queer subtext whether it's in a healthy way or a not healthy way and um, so if you've watched uh, never what is it never sleep again then I would highly recommend watching Scream Queen because I think that it does the movie justice. So anyways, um, having watched this, there is a moment where Six Six says something about, or he's singing this song that he wrote. He's like literally like smashing heads. And he says, so what if one of my fears is being turned on by some guy? Um, So maybe I was just kind of tapped into that, like finding that queer subtext in this. But is that is that one of uh, Six Six's fears is coming out of the closet or being found out? Closet homophobia, you mean? Or that he um, that he harbors homophobia, that he has it because is he queer himself?
0: Uh, that's something to think about. Very interesting theory. I'm not. It, mm-hmm. It's not very. It's not really explored. Um, I. I know he comes back, but I don't really remember when. Because as I've said before, uh, mm-hmm. I, it's been a long time since I've read this. But uh, it's definitely something to uh, consider. But I don't, I don't think so. I mean, there are other queer characters that show up in Hackslash, Slash, but are it's it's mostly regarded to Cassie and uh, Georgia because they eventually live together when they adopt someone's baby. I don't want to spoil ahead too far. Yeah. And spoiler alert: they, they 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 do live together eventually, but. The circumstances why ha, I'm not going to get into. You don't. You will never believe who they just announced uh, died yesterday.
1: Um, th- one of the writers of Batman, um, uh, O'Neill.
0: The writer of Batman. Yeah. He like. Yeah. He, he uh, You you were just talking about AIDS, by the way, Denny O'Neill. Denny O'Neill wrote the. Um, oh, he didn't write the AIDS story. He wrote the uh, speedy Heroin story. Ooh. With the cover with Green Lantern saying, uh, Green Arrow, your ward is a junkie. And Speedy's got the, like the fucking needle in his arm, you know, and G- Green Arrow's like, no, how can my ward become a junkie? Yeah. And that was uh, Roy, Ta- Roy Harper, uh, Speedy, you know, Red Arrow, whatever his name is these days, Arsenal. And I'll have to check out the Scream Queen documentary. I've had Mark Patton on the show, and I didn't know that about him, that he had AIDS, unfortunately. I don't know when he was uh, diagnosed with that. But uh, I'd met him at Rocket Shock uh, many, many years ago, um, and he came on the show uh, that weekend. Um,
1: For, um, I believe that he, because the documentary goes into how he wanted to launch his career and doing so being in uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, that because it got a little bit ridiculed, he he was not an openly uh, gay man at the time, and his partner ended up um, with HIV AIDS and unfortunately passed away. He, however, moved to Mexico and he didn't immediately get treated for HIV, but because of that, he was able to stay alive long enough where where a, and so he he's now an, um, an HIV AIDS activist.
0: Kathy and the gang come back to the hotel. Vlad goes to sleep with Gertrude. Obviously that's a happy ending for him. And uh, Georgia throws herself um, naked at uh, Cassie. Now, here's my question. In these panels, Georgia is nude, but she is in shadow with her nudity. But in other issues, Tim is not afraid to show nudity in this comic book, especially with Cassie. Well, I, don't, I don't understand the obscurity of the nudity with Georgia, especially because she was, also, she was a stripper before, too. And Cassie did a Suicides Girl issue, which she is nude at the end of the issue for several panels. And I mean do you
1: think it's perhaps because nude. of the publishing changes?
0: Nope. That's still pub- – nope. That was still Devil's Due Press.
1: My only other guess is that maybe because um, if Cassie wasn't sure of how – you know, he wrote that from maybe like Cassie's perspective from being – not wanting to have sex and not wanting to be turned on by by Georgia. Maybe, maybe he didn't do her fully nude just to not – give any nudity that wasn't needed for the story.
0: There, there's always been a stance with certain characters that you will never see nude that appear to be voluptuous, you know, TNA material. And the companies who own them say, oh, no, we're never going to, that character will never appear nude. And also, what would be the point, considering what she's wearing? For One sure. of those in particular is Vampirella. And it's been asked before, why doesn't Vampirella ever appear nude? Well, why doesn't Elvira ever appear nude? And Cassandra has asked to answer that question, saying that it's something that she's always thought should be, like, to the tip, no pun intended, but never actually stepping over that line. Like, her in a bathtub with the suds covering up everything is totally fine. Vampirella in a bloodbath with, like, the blood bubbles, I guess, covering up anything is totally fine. But never have her be appear completely new. Now, a character like Lady Death, uh, Brian Polito has for years had various, you know, versions of her in, like, lingerie with her nipples showing through. Or, on Kickstarters, you can actually buy full nude covers of Vampirella nude from head to toe.
1: Now, some of it, I know, I feel like a lot of the, like, almost nude but not um, definitely comes from, like, the 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 codes. You know, you if someone looks at it and they're like, well, she's naked. Well, technically, she's not naked. She's got, you know, blood dripping down her nipples, so you can't technically see her nipples so i think that it it rides that line a little bit
0: right um but where are you on nudity in comics
1: so i would say that as as a person as a as a <laughs> as a human being and being a um bisexual pansexual person i i enjoy nudity i you know i have a sex drive because um of who I am. And I understand, you know, if you're asexual or, um, you don't necessarily enjoy that. Um, but for me personally, I think it's fine. However, I think that there, there is a time for it and there's a time to not. Um, I also, I, I very hard draw, draw the line literally with characters that are under underage. Um, for instance, I don't think that drawing a character like Spider-Gwen or any characters like that. Like, if you're going to draw an underage character, don't ever draw it in a sexualized way, whether they're nude or not. I don't
0: understand she's, how old Spider-Gwen is supposed to be because she comes from a mirror dimension like our own, but isn't she over 18?
1: In, in most of the issues, I feel like she's, she's a teenager in a lot of the issues. Um, to me, it would almost be the same as drawing um, Peter Parker explicitly nude. Like to me, I I'll almost always see Spider-Man as, as a kid. Um, I don't necessarily ever need to see him sexualized. I know, in, and obviously um, further on in the comic books, he's an adult and he has a kid. And I think that we can allude to him having had sex because that's how children are made. In case, <laughs> plus, in case no one knew.
0: Plus, he's also married to a model, a supermodel, a super duper model who has mm-hmm. appeared on. Soap operas and has been in the cover of lingerie and swimsuit uh, magazines and uh, and she's a uh, she, it, it, she bounces back and forth between a, being a model and an actress and she mm-hmm. uses her looks to further her career. I mean, it's Mary Jane is drawn beautifully because she is a model or an actress, depending on who's writing her, and she uses her looks to get a you know, to further her career and. Uh, so she's drawn incredibly provocatively sometimes, especially during the age of like Eric Larson. If you ever look at Eric Larson, the way he drew her, holy cow! If you if you looked at his Savage Dragon over the last several years, uh, oh my
1: goodness, it's gotten just more and more explicit. And I think too, you know, there's um, there's nothing wrong with anything being gratuitous. I I don't think that uh, if I ever picked up that particular um, R-rated issue of Savage Dragon that I would feel like I got any real type of like storyline out of it I would definitely be getting it because of that now if there's something that I go into that I'm like oh like I want to read like a story and I want to feel like entertained in a non-pornographic way I'm not going to go ahead and, and pick that up and I definitely think that a lot of those Characters and a lot of those stories Are written from a straight male Perspective and even A, a lot of times um, Because straight men Are writing and drawing um, Lesbian encounters I don't think that they ever Focus on like romantic Lesbian encounters it's definitely Sexualized and pornographic Which is Porn is completely different than How sex is actually had in real life
0: If you look at <laughs> that saying-
1: What's that? If you look at the comic
0: book, Tara, which of the black rose by Jim valiant uh, and mm-hmm. Holly lightly, that is an extremely mature content only comic book for mm-hmm. all of the reasons, either whether it be very funny or very serious. Um, it can come two ways. Um, he will show full frontal female nudity from top to bottom, all the way into the bottom. And by like them doing leg splits, he'll show it. Yeah. It's also the longest running independent comic book, uh, uninterrupted by an artist um, in years, beating out a couple of different things, um, going on for as long as it has. However, Spawn obviously has the record going at issue like 307 right now, uh, yeah. and all the accolades to Tom Farland for hitting that high. Also, a comic book starring a black character too. By the way, a lot of people forget Spawn is a African American character.
1: And you said, um, you know, it's there. It's primarily enjoyed, or that it's enjoyed by a female audience. Do you think that? the majority of the female audience is queer and that's why they enjoy it. And that the majority of the female audience is not straight.
0: Well, I've never done a survey on that. So I don't know for sure. Um, I have gone to plenty of signings of Jim Balliance and he does have a pretty equal ratio of male to female um, signing his books, signing their books for, from him. I, I don't know. I mean the character Tarot is queer. The, tar- the character Raven Hex is queer um, their, their mom is up in the air. I'm not really too sure about her. Uh, a couple of the other secondary characters are, are definitely queer. Um, one of them is Tarot's ex-girlfriend before she met John and she married John. By the way, they also talk a lot about in Tarot, uh, about equality and about like being shamed and, um, Tarot, um, is based on Polly, uh, early on. Um, she is a colorist and an artist herself, but she was also a model. And I asked John or Jim, why is Terrell, why is Terrell drawn with such giant breasts? Why are all the women drawn with huge breasts in the comics? You know, which, cause you listen to a lot of podcasts or YouTube shows. They say, Jim, I'd like to draw boobs. Valiant is what they've nicknamed him. And she said, I'll take that one, Chris the reason why they're drawn so large is I was an early developer when I was a little girl. So when I hit puberty, my breast grew overnight and I was constantly picked on and teased because of it. And later on in life, when I met Jim, you know, he used this to create the character tarot and in the character, in the, in the story, uh, both, Carol and Ravenhex, which is her younger, older sister or whatever, who is, like, the gothic version of her. She's all, like, gray-skinned and or white-skinned and, like, black gothic spikes and stuff like that. Hangs out with goblins. She, she practices more darker magic than her sister does. But she's still essentially a good character. She, you know, disdains the human world because of the way they made her feel. And the only person who ever understood her was her father, and her father, unfortunately, died. So going back to the comic, uh, <laughs> Cassie... Cassie and uh, rejects Georgia and decides to go sleep on the couch. Then we switch over to this young starlet on concert for a talent show, and Six is there disguised as Jeffrey Brevard, and that's how the issue ends. And then there's a Love Bunny and Mr. Hell comic book by Tim Seeley. Uh, Mr. Hell is a tentacle creature, and Love Bunny looks like a Playboy bunny. In the, for the ads, uh, so in the back of the uh, last issue, they talk about the upcoming issue, uh, the next issue will be, uh, will be a double feature, issue 23 will be a double-sized uh, feature issue uh, with two stories in it. Now, the ads for this com- these two issues are pretty much the same. You have your typical Battlestar Galactica ad, but you also have an ad for, it's, on one page it says D in a giant red letter, and then you turn the page, it's for Vampire Hunter D, the comic book series, that published by Devil's View Press based on mm. the manga and the anime of the same name, which is very cool. In the back of the comic book of uh, the first issue, there is another Love Bunny and Mr. Hell comic book. Um, very silly stuff. And then you next to that is a comic book by uh, Fabian Nury and John Cassidy, which I would really enjoy reading because I love John Cassidy's art. It says, I am lieging, the dancing fawn, and it has a guy in a military Nazi uniform with a Nazi symbol behind him and a bunch of guys that look like skinheads in uh, shirt and ties. How relevant is that comic book today?
1: For sure.
0: But I love uh, John Cassidy's artwork, so I definitely would enjoy trying to track that down. Um, there's an advertisement for the zombies that ate the world, which I never read, unfortunately. Um, and then, of course, the special thanks to Emily Stone for the wonderful renditions of Cassie Vlad and the rest of the hack slash Catholic characters that have supplied over the last two years. We'll miss you. Good luck on all your future endeavors, Tim. So this was her final issue. Um, there's yeah. also two advertisements in here for something else that's relevant as uh in two thousand eight, what was happening in politics in two
1: thousand and eight? Um, I would say like obviously the um uh election. Correct. And um, there's yeah.
0: two comic books in here for Barack the Barbarian or Red Son uh sorry, Red Sarah. As in Sarah Palin dressed up like Red Sonia with glasses too, by the way. Uh, yeah. and Dick Cheney looks like uh fooling goth, by the way, so they kind of reverse the uh the the uh, i wouldn't no, not the genders what 's the the race so you have uh Dick Cheney portraying the character played by uh James Earl Jones in the Conan Barbarian movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, which was a black guy, and Arnold Schwarzenegger is a white guy. So in this comic book alteration, now you have the black guy, our former President Barack Obama, playing Conan the Barbarian, and Dick Cheney playing uh, the the Serpent King. Yeah. And, then and how
1: it, how irrelevant is, like, Sarah Palin now? Like, uh, completely I haven't heard irrelevant. anything about her. Uh,
0: completely irrelevant. Uh, I didn't even know until doing uh, – uh, research for the Barack Obama comic book that I completely, because I was trying to look it up online and be like, I never read that. Maybe I should read it. I had also forgotten there was Sarah Palin porn. Yeah, who's
1: nailing Palin. Yes.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yep, and it's Barack Obama who is. Aww. <laughs>
1: uh,
0: And then, oh my god, where's the other one? There's another Barack Obama comic strip. Oh, here it is. Drafted. 100 days. A man whose own destiny has been changed Forever. Uh, and it's Barack Obama in a worn-torn, apocalyptic-looking kind of sci-fi drama. And then there's an advertisement in here for uh, Mercy Sparks. who has a cro- Mercy Sparks is the uh, red-skinned devil girl who has a crossover with Cassie coming up in the I- Devil's Due Press book. She was created by the uh, former uh, Devil's Due Press uh, creator. Very interesting uh, comic book if you've, if you've ever read Mercy Sparks. I haven't. She's like a rock chick, um, tank tops, torn jeans, smokes a lot, completely like red, like blood red skin, um, and with horns, you know, long red black hair, and then I think that's her nighttime look. At during the day, she transforms into a typical, a regular Caucasian, blonde hair, blue eyed girl.
1: Have to check that out. I just wrote that down.
0: Yes, Mercy Sparks, because there was a Mercy Sparks hack slash crossover um in the Mercy Sparks omnibus and then the issues themselves are actually insanely hard to find so Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you coming back on the show with me Jennifer to talk about Hackslash 21
1: and 22. Yeah, you're so welcome. Thank you for giving it's your a,
0: insight on uh nudity in comics as well and how you feel yeah. about that sort of thing.
1: Immediately when you asked me to come back I was I was very excited.
0: I was too. Where go giveaway uh information where people can find you?
1: So, on Twitter you can find me at Jin and Comics Show. I used to do things under the like gin and comics kind of like gin and tonic but gin and comics um however most of the other places that you can find me you can find me on instagram at comic books will break your heart however um i do reviews on youtube a little bit more consistently and that is comics will break your heart
0: fantastic thank you once again i hope all is well with you while we are wrapping up our quarantine it seems like in a lot of different places we will be back in a couple weeks with issue 23 with a uh, different special guest uh returning to the show to talk about that one shot and then uh we'll, the schedule will be kind of walkie and wacky going from there thank you everyone check out the rest of the episodes on radiohorror.com and you can find the podcast on twitter at gothgirlhorror don't forget to also support your local comic book stores as they are reopening right now, and they could definitely use your support. Thank you, everybody.